Welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey, and today in the show, we've got one of my favorite people ever. Oh my goodness. Uh, she is an investigative journalist. Uh, she is the uh, community uh, coordinator for Black Lens Milwaukee, um, which is a organization that aims to uh, bring light to um, uh, filmmakers, right? Yeah, so I'm the uh, communications and press coordinator. Oh, I said that Black right. Lens. No, you're fine. <laughs> um, and the program is aimed to highlight um, African and African American filmmakers. Sure, perfect. Okay, so I was right about. I was half right about that. <laughs> um, well, Miela Fatal, everybody. Hi. <laughs> um, How are you today? I'm blessed. Good. I'm doing really well. How Good. are you? I'm great. Um, I've uh, been tired, you know, I feel like I, I'm just tired like routinely every single day because of this damn show, but it's okay, I enjoy doing it. Um, for once I like don't really have any plans tonight, so I might just go home and go to bed early. That sounds perfect. I need that, you know? That sounds perfect, Yeah. Yes. What'd you do today? Worked. Yeah. Worked, yeah. Um, what are you doing now, like work-wise? I am freelancing um, at 371 Productions. Okay. Um, the production company, it's housed at No Studios, and the oh, president sure. is Brad Lichtenstein, one of the dopest um, like filmmakers that I know. Oh, that's awesome. And I used to intern back for him a few years ago. Um, so the world is just coming together full circle. I love No Studios. Um, I've been there a couple times for like, because. They, I know they have like just such a diverse array of events. Like they do film screenings and they do like music showcases or like uh, panel talks. Yeah. But it seems like such a, it just seems like a really awesome space that just I don't know, gives the uh, the platform to a lot of aspiring creatives. Oh no, I completely agree. Um, and it's nice that a lot of different. Um, I think like media houses are, are kind of based there. You know, 371 Productions, uh, Milwaukee Film is there, so mm -hmm. that's really important. Um, and I think a lot of other places are starting to move in. Um, I don't know offhand, but sure, it's yeah. definitely good, a great place to, to show up yeah. to every day. Totally. Well, that's beautiful. Um, <laughs> well, thanks for uh, fitting me in today. Oh, stop. <laughs> I wish I had more time. It's a pleasure to be here. No worries. I'm uh, such a fan. <laughs> well, thank you. Oh, my God. Thank you. Man, we're just gassing each other up for uh, this whole half hour. Um, so, um, yeah, I've... Uh, you know, I've followed your work for a little while because um, I know you did a lot of investigative journalism out in Europe, right? Yeah, a little I did while a ago. Work there. Yeah, you want to explain a little bit about what you were doing out there? Sure. Um, so I had received a grant about a year and a half ago to do um, a project highlighting uh, the cultural landscape of Eritrean uh, refugees in Europe. Um, for people that don't know, um, Eritrea is a small but extremely bountiful country in the Horn of Africa, right above Ethiopia. Um, we used to be a province of Ethiopia until uh, 1991. Um, so prior to South Sudan, we were the newest um, country in the African continent. That's where my family and I are from. Um, and due to lack of civil liberties and the way that the government is, 
they've had an onslaught of um, refugees in the last um, 15 to 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of them end up in places like Italy. Uh, so I spent about a month and a half in Italy, um, sometime in Rome and in Sicily, uh, talking to refugees, um, NGOs, uh, policy analysts and people advocating for refugee and refugee rights um, in Italy. Um, the project isn't out yet because it's actually kind of difficult to, I'm ha- I've been having a hard time finding a place to house it um, sure. while also finishing uh, editing some uh, audio. Mm-hmm. Um, but the landscape in Eritrea has changed. Um, Eritrea and Ethiopia um, are kind of like friends now, um, which has changed the trajectory of some stories that I've worked on. So I'd love to go back and Mm -hmm. kind of uh, culminate these stories and kind of check in on people. So if anyone knows any (laughs) funders or people that just want to hand me some cash, I'd probably... (laughs) It'll be worth it. Hit us up. Um, Yeah, so that was an incredible experience. and it was really great to just be back in Italy. Um, my parents immigrated there uh, during the war, um, and my siblings and I were born there. So it's kind of like a second home oh, wow. in one respect or another. Mm, that's amazing. Yeah. I didn't, know, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, what do you feel, besides what you learned for the story specifically that you were um, out there to tell, what do you feel like the... Like the um, the experience being out there, talking to the refugees, understanding the situation, how do you feel like it helps you, I guess, understand, like, about, you know, the people and, like, the refugees themselves as, as human beings and just, like, and also how, like, Italy was uh, responding to it? Yeah, um, I think the experience made me um, a lot more humble. I, I mean... I have family members who are refugees and have gone to um, a, a number of countries and have had very difficult travels to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes it feels like Eritrean people are slightly nomadic uh, due to the um, political conditions in the country and where the country has been in the last 15 plus years. Um, so I've heard the stories of my cousins. Uh, I always tell like friends, like there's this kind of um, self-guilt that I have because I have cousins my age and younger who are back in Eritrea who live in villages that um, tend to cattle and, and herd, um, whereas I'm in this very privileged position of being educated, of um, I think making poor decisions um, without immediate consequences. It's, I don't know, it, I don't know if it's a diasporic self-guilt Um, But I think it humbled me a lot more than I expected Um, and it kind of rooted my hope in wanting to tell more stories around uh, immigration and migration, Mm -hmm. Um, not only with, not only because of my connection uh, in being an immigrant to this country, but also recognizing that um, being an an immigrant um, isn't looking one particular way and there isn't one story. I think the hope and maybe the goal is the same, better opportunity, education, um, but we come to these places um, 
differently and yeah. you know you hear about what's happening at the US-Mexico border now yeah. um, but I mean that's also like that not the only mm -hmm. um, like story there right. uh, or the way that you know people uh, talk a lot about the Syrian uh, refugee crisis yeah. and it's not to not acknowledge what's happening there but also acknowledging that there are other refugee crises happening in other countries um, that are just as bad and deserve as much attention. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so I just, I want to focus on underreported stories um, yeah. and on vulnerable, other vulnerable communities that are not getting the attention that they deserve but need a voice and need assistance. I think that's beautiful. Thank um, you. I think that if you just simply Google, um, people can Google like world catastrophes or tragedies that are going on right now and like 80% of what you find scattered around the, the world is stuff you don't hear enough about you know you just don't hear enough about uh, the destabilization in countries like Mali or um, destabilization in um, the Congo or um what's going on between India and Pakistan right now. Um, I don't see enough about stuff like that. And I mean, like, these are... And these are very... Um, they're extremely, like, volatile world affairs right now. Like, people are... People by the tens of thousands are... You know, they're probably... Like, millions in many cases, too. Like, people are dying people are running away from their homes people are being persecuted people are being displaced displaced exactly um and we hear so i feel like a lot of it has to do with like how western values have like placed a huge influence into our own media like where all the things that are getting reported on that we see so prevalently on various news networks or TV stations, what have you, like a lot of it is, just, you know, superficial American stuff that we see on the headlines. Like, oh my God, this is what the Kardashians are doing, you know, <laughs> or this is what, or like, you know, like this person unfollowed uh, this person on Instagram and they're not happy about it. Like, Why is that where our Western civilization values have taken us into valuing such superficial and, and mundane things when there's literally like, you know, people in developing countries or people in that are facing, you know, religious persecution, people in various parts of the world that don't have access to running water or electricity or food or, you know, are just incredibly impoverished. Like not enough of our average Americans, if they've been, if they're getting quizzed on it, understand a lot of like the, you know, international affairs going on right now. Yeah. So kudos to you for like, <laughs> for being so driven to report on stuff like that. Thanks. You're welcome. I appreciate it. Yeah. So when you were like out in Italy, was it um, like, did you find it like emotionally like challenging at times? Oh yeah. It was a, it was very emotional. I mean, I'm 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 an empath, so um, <laughs> it has its ups and its downs, a lot of downs. Um, and I think, and I mean, not even 
being in Italy, but oftentimes reporting here in Milwaukee um, or the other places that I've told stories in, it can be difficult to um, separate yourself from a lot of these stories, especially when sometimes your subjects share the same identity um, or share just something about you that reminds you of someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the refugees that I met in Italy uh, reminded me of my cousins and, and the stories that they shared were a lot of the stories that I've, I've heard time and time again. Um, so it was, yeah, it was, it was very emotionally draining. Um, and oftentimes I just had to remind myself that, you know, thank God that they were able to overcome what they were able to, um, and maybe life would give them, mm-hmm. um, a new purpose. Yeah, of course. So as a, so, Especially when you're faced with like, you know, such a, um, you know, when you're you're faced with like reporting on a a complex and very just, you know, emotionally challenging crisis such as that, um, how do you feel like, because a lot of, a lot of us as individuals can feel powerless against something like that. Mm -hmm. Like, what can we do, um, you know, in order to make an impact for only one person? Um, that's how we, you know, we think about that when we look at our, our own socioeconomic system and how, just, you know, how, uh, unstable it is right now. Um, how do you feel like, you know, what do you feel like is the greatest thing, like, you can do as an individual, like, you know, specifically when you're reporting on something like that? Um, well, don't get me wrong. Uh, oftentimes I feel not powerless, um, but maybe if there was, I can't think of the word, but if there, if there was more of an action word along the lines of like at a loss for words, um, helpless feels too strong, probably someplace there. Um, I think as an individual, it's important that we listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we practice active listening, mm-hmm. not with, um, not with tendency to offer advice or to offer solutions. But oftentimes, I think people just need to be heard. Um, and I think as a journalist, I think it's important to share the story constantly uh, and yeah. to tell a story accurately and authentically. Um, yeah, yeah sure. I think that's it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's it. That's how I. Um, that's how I try to, I think, um, remain in control and try to um, be a further assistance to the people that I talk to outside of like talking to them for 20 or 30 minutes and then never talking to them again. Yeah, yeah, for sure. One thing I struggle with sometimes, um, I'm interested to see how you, how you address this. Like, if there's something I'm like incredibly passionate about or something that I perceive as like, you know, a, a, an issue that affects people that I love or it's just an issue that I, that holds, that I hold close to my heart. It can be hard when like you have friends that, you know, don't like, I don't want to say don't care, but they just don't, uh, um, I guess empathize with the situation as, as, um, as like uh, intensely as you do, um, and where it's like, 
you kind of like how I guess how do you feel like you um, get you know people that you love and care about to to care about the work that you're doing I probably talk about it a lot I mean I think we can't hold people to um, high expectations be it about things that we're interested in or not um, oftentimes people have their own agendas and yeah. we all lead different lives and are um, caught up doing our own things and I get it and I respect it um, but I try to surround myself with people that share the same values that I do mm -hmm. um, so all of my friends know that at the end of the day I'm very passionate about immigration um, and refugees and Eritrea like that when I when I when I sit at a table such as this yeah, for example um, or wherever I bring I'm very um, I'm very intentional about, about what I share mm -hmm. um, and I do my best to bring my most authentic self and that includes acknowledging um, that I'm a black woman um, that I'm from the diaspora that I'm from Eritrea in particular um, it's important that people know where um, my family and I are from because right. it's very small um, yeah, yeah. Um, but maybe they also learn something new um, and that I'm a woman I it's important that I bring all of, of those course. identities with me um, and that those identities fuel the work that I do um, and it's those same identities that that drive me to continue to want to do the, the work that I do in, in whatever capacity be it in investigative journalism um, in film, in, in spaces like Black Lens, um, which is why I love Black Lens, for example, yeah. so much. Um, but yeah, just yeah, of bring course. Me your most authentic self. You do a wonderful job with that. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. I, yeah, I mean, because I've experienced that a little bit with like issues in the Jewish community. Like, I have a lot of friends that aren't Jewish. Like, I have a lot of friends that, you know, I met out on the uh, on the weekends partying in college, you know, or I grew up with friends, that, uh, you know, from home that, you know, I just sat around and played video games with all day, like when I was growing up. And it's like until I grew up and started really, I guess, like identifying more with like my Jewish identity, like when I got to college, like all of a sudden, like I'm finding issues in the Jewish community to like you know, start actually really mattering to me and my eagerness to understand them and also want my friends to care about them. And, and like, there will be times where it's like I'm talking about something like uh, Israel, for example, and um, all friends are just like, what? <laughs> like, they're just like, they're like, oh, yeah, I don't really know what's going on out there. It's like, well... I get it. It doesn't really affect you. You might not be emotionally connected to it, but I am, you know? So it's kind of hard in that way to, like, really, like, get... I mean, it's like... They'll get that, like, you know, you're passionate about something like that. But I guess, like, something that we face challenging challenges as journalists is... It's like acknowledging... It's one thing to acknowledge, like, what something is, but why people should care about it. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. People, is there a story to tell? If we know that people won't care about it, you know. Yeah. I, I think that's why a lot of stories go under, why a lot of issues go underreported, and why a lot of stories go untold. And I think part of our jobs is to introduce these issues and these stories to whatever platforms that we have to get people to care. I mean, 
a lot of people probably don't know what's happening right now in Sudan, but yeah. I think something as simple as changing your Instagram or Facebook or Twitter profile picture to that like the filter very particular the, the like blue color yeah um, is indignation that like you acknowledge that some kind of atrocities occurring and with the idea that okay every time that I see this blue bubble as somebody's profile picture it represents Sudan so mm -hmm. uh, things like that yeah yeah just like little acknowledgements that yeah yeah and sometimes people will like sometimes people will overlook those a lot but at least it's bringing light to the fact that you know something very real and very scary is happening in some part of the world um so um uh, so tell me a little bit about more about um black lens and you know uh, how it's you know uh, how it's like w what it does for you and your goals personally and just I guess like what why you love being a part of it yeah um, so I love working with black lens because um, I think the events that they hold and the spaces that they create um, is like nothing that Milwaukee has ever had before mm -hmm. um, and I mean, the visionary behind it, um, it, w it was founded in 2014 um, by Gerard Blanks and Dante McFadden. Uh, and their vision... Gerard was my TA. Was he really? Yeah, yeah for he's, a jams class. He's phenomenal. Um, he's just finishing his PhD at Northwestern now. Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, further explains his brilliance. And yeah. Dante um, already has his doctorate. Um, but I think that what Black Lens does is like nothing that Milwaukee has seen before. And honestly, I think it's a special program that I don't think it's, there's nothing like Black Lens anywhere else. Mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of other film festivals in the US um, and there are a lot of other black spaces that cater to um, African and African American films, yeah. but I think what Mo what Black Lens does in Milwaukee is groundbreaking, um, and and when it is taken to a national scale, um, I think everyone will love and appreciate Black Lens um, as much as I do. Uh, I remember prior to um, joining the staff, um, I would skip class during the film festival, and I would go see the films, mm -hmm. um, primarily because a lot of the films were you know during the school day, but. Um, no, it's just, it, it's such a pleasure to help um, push Black Lens's agenda uh, in this city and to um, help cultivate these spaces. Um, in February, they kicked off uh, year-round programming. So, like, for example, to give a plug... Plug it away. Um, on July 3rd, we're, have mm. to, we're having an after-summerfest um, uh, set and DJ Questlove is DJ Questlove, Questlove of the roots, yeah. um, which is so dope because I mean he's been to Milwaukee before. Um, obviously, he's performing at Summerfest, but who can say like you know I was at an after set where right. DJ Questlove. That's was, at the Cooperage. Uh, it's at the Cooperage yeah. exactly. Um, so being that, I'm just imagining how intimate and black and powerful that space will be mm -hmm. um and how like black lens is just constantly pushing 
to to hold more of these spaces and and is the phrase pushing the envelope is that it sometimes my immigrantness is <laughs> too much it it caused my judgment. I couldn't tell you. I, but you know what I, I mean? Know. Like, they're just yeah. like, like, here's the wall and here's Black Lens. Like, yeah. it's just pushing through the wall. Yeah. Um, that's kind. Of, that's the kind of work that this program is doing. Awesome. Um, which makes it an honor to be a part of. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. You should totally come to see Questlove. I'd love um, to see Questlove. We don't have that's... a lot of tickets left. Yeah. It's a very exclusive event. Um, but also the joys of like being a member of like the Black Lens Council, which people should check out, um, milwaukeefilm.org forward slash Black Lens. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to be, a, um, to work with Black Lens and to continue to, to push and to elevate the, the work that they're doing. And I yeah. also think Milwaukee's in this really great space, uh, with, you know, the Bucks having made it so far, with the DNC coming next year, um, with mm -hmm. all of these other organizations and ERGs that are pushing for more inclusive spaces um, to not only elevate our city, but to either draw young professionals in or to already keep the ones that we are fostering. Mm -hmm. um, I know that at some point my chapter in Milwaukee will be over. But I would like to believe that the many times that I have tried to leave or have gone elsewhere, um, Milwaukee has always had my heart. Mm -hmm. um, and this is the place that I want to return to. Yeah. So. I feel like it's a great home base. Milwaukee is a great home base. I, I agree. Yeah. In, in 10, 15 years. I don't, I don't want to compare it to other cities, but um, this, this city will just continue to thrive. Right. And those that want to leave for whatever reason, I respect it, but they're, going to, they're missing out. Right. Gotta be part of it while it's happening, exactly. right? Exactly. Um, what's been like uh, one of the most impactful, or one of your, I guess one of your favorite films you've seen um, as that uh, has been a part of Black Lens? Oh my gosh, that is such a good question. I've seen. Oh, I don't know. Mm. There is there have been so many films. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> that I've seen um, since I've come onto Black Lens. Um, there are a lot of films that I love um, that Black Lens has brought either during the festival or off season. Mm -hmm. um, but what I appreciate, again, showing a lot of love to Black Lens is that um, they highlight different stories of blackness. There, yeah. there, isn't, there isn't one kind of black person, one kind mm -hmm. of black woman. Uh, you know, we are... We all, we are multi-layered. We are we are complex. Um, we are we are the diaspora. We are of this world. So it's um, incredible that um, when Gerard and Dante uh, sit down to you know choose the films that we want to highlight during the festival, that they're very intentional about the films that they choose mm -hmm. in order to draw a variety of demographics. Yeah. Um, Last year, uh, they showed this film called Jen that was about a young girl. Um, and not only was she young and, and, and that she was black, the, the main character, um, but she was also Muslim. Um, so to have these different identities, um, the importance of intersectionality is so present in a lot of the films and events that uh, Black Lens does. Um, a few months ago, we had a uh, event called um, 
black woman through a black lens and mm -hmm. it highlighted films that were made by black women or starred black women. Um, as a black woman, I think we need more of that. Of course. Um, in February, we had a um, black love through a black lens, um, like short film series, and then a panel discussion, which I mean is great because um, as a black woman, you don't see stories of black love told enough on television, right. on film, on any medium. So um, it's wonderful that we're able to select these films and to curate events around these films to let black people in this city know that love exists and, and, yeah. and black women working in film, you know, off the screen, behind the screen and on the screen exists. And the fact that we're trying to make this um, like normal. Yeah. And, and everyday thing. Of family, course. Right. Um, is, is fantastic. Um, yeah, stay tuned for the future, because Black Lens is... It's up to something? Oh, yeah. I, yeah. Can't, I can't say, but... Right, well... They will continue to do groundbreaking good. work. Well, um... Man, I'm... I mean... I just have to... I'll have to be patient for it. I'd yeah. love, love to see what Look, everything I have to be doing. patient, too. It's okay. Yeah. okay. And I have to finish this. Yeah, finish it. Thank you for getting OJ, by the way. Um, it My... Yeah, thank you're, you're welcome. I honestly, some it's like my favorite. So, where, where do you find it most difficult to take your emotion out of your writing? Ah, mm. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I ever take my emotion out of my writing as a journalist or just. Personally. Well, I guess since you're you're freelance, you kind of yeah. you can. It, you know what? It always helps to have an editor or mm. have someone that isn't directly. Um, connected to the story, um, just another set of eyes. Yeah, um, sure. Be it in journalism, in film, and other aspects of storytelling, I think someone that isn't connected that may provide more of um, like an audience eye to it. Mm -hmm. You know, you might be attached to this word or this phrase, or I don't know. Let's say in film, this scene. Yeah. Um, but somebody else see somebody else may see it and may not be as connected mm -hmm. uh, in having that um, having that additional perspective, um, especially you know in um, production in in early stages of drafts is extremely vital um, because I mean if I was the only one looking at things <laughs> when it came to a I, yeah it. <laughs> I'm grateful for the editors yeah. that I've had and for I do sure. have and the friends that um, take time out of their day to look at what I'm working on um, to kind of like pull me back a little bit mm -hmm. um, and remind me that sometimes, you know, at the end of the day, a story is just a story um, and that's okay. Yeah. I try to think the same when I'm when I'm doing my, like when I do my music journalism, I always take my personal bias out of the story because at the end of the day, I'm trying to give a platform to an artist and it's not my place to critique it when yeah. I'm like, oh, I like this or I didn't like this. Like, that's not what I, what I do. I, I mean, for one, it's like, I'm not going to cover something or someone I don't like, or I'm not interested in. Like, it's going to be something I'm just interested in what they're doing so it's more of just like what's I try to 
bring out like who that artist is, why they're doing what they do, what's relevant to them, like give more, bring the humanity more out of them rather than just like being like, you know, any other music publication that's like saying what's good and what's not. So it, it can be like, it can be kind of like, you know, there, there will be things where it's like, I just want to like tell the world how fucking amazing I think this, this, this album is that this artist has put out. But, you know, I, sometimes I have to like limit that and be like, just so you'll know that this is here. So you can go listen to it if you want to, but I'm not going to tell you how good it is because that's up to you. That's dope. Yeah. So what are uh, some stories uh, you're thinking about you want to chase after next? World, like world affair wise, I guess. Oh jeez, I don't know. I used to tell myself I always wanted to be a war, a war journalist, but then I think I realized that it's actually a lot difficult than I imagined, um, and emotionally I may not be able right, for that yeah. kind of challenge. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I'm planning to get my master's and my PhD soon. Um, and then see whatever doors academically that may open mm -hmm. and hopefully use that as a base to um, travel, continue to travel abroad, but also work abroad. Yeah. Um, and I just hope that in whatever capacity that is, it involves uh, storytelling and being creative. Um, and if there's a layer of immigration or uh, race, uh, particularly blackness, um, mm -hmm. that would, that would be a dream. Of course. Well, yeah, I think you're on the right path. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, my last question is something I'm kind of just interested in, I guess, just for the sake of, uh, comparatively, like from our culture to another. Yeah. Do you feel like a lot of like the institutionalized racism that goes on, like in America, like in our own country, like did you kind of see a lot of parallels to that while you were out in Europe, like with the way like refugees were treated or how they were perceived as like the other? In in those spaces that I was in, you know, I was there as uh, a visitor. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know. I can't comment on racism is everywhere. Right. Yeah. Um, it, it, it exists in, in a variety um of landscapes even if it's not institutionally but oftentimes it is um i can attest that as a black woman um it was challenging to move in some spaces in italy um but i also know that uh, italy has like a particular history when it comes to black people um i mean my father spent practically half of his life there and he told me once um, that he he was constantly reminded that he was that he was African not that he not that he was Italian or that he could possibly right. be Italian yeah. um, but he was constantly reminded that he was African um, and I think that's part of the reason with him um, appreciating America a lot more than Italy um, what I will say though is being black is so powerful that people are afraid of our blackness outside of the US, in Italy, and I'm sure in other European and predominantly Western type places. 
um, it wasn't until I came to the United States that I knew what being black was. I don't, I don't recall ever being in Italy thinking, wow, I'm, I'm a black girl and here are all my, you know, Italian, my white Italian classmates. Um, but it was when I came to the U.S. that I started obviously learning about phrases uh, like racism and systematic oppression and um, everything that has kept uh, black people from, from truly achieving um, anything that a white counterpart um, has done. Um, I think the way that people discriminate is differently. Um, there was obviously, you know, some kind of language barrier when I was in Italy and in a lot of the places that I've traveled to. Um, but again, the same way that I bring my blackness to everything that I do and to every table that I sit at, um, people are watching me in my blackness. Um, and oftentimes that can be refreshing and sometimes that can be frightening. Um, all this to say... Um, being black is uh, a, a very beautiful, of incredibly beautiful uh, concept. I, I wouldn't want to be anything else. Um, but I think people um, are afraid of um, what black people are capable of mm -hmm. and um, what we can do. I mean, black people built the White House. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think people can continue to try to keep black folks down in, in, in whatever capacity, but uh, noting also that we're doing this the day after Juneteenth, so the pride is real deep right oh, yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Um, Actually, so I and I've been like com completely like ignorant to the concept of Juneteenth until like, I mean, I had heard of it, but I never knew like specifically what it was until yesterday when it happened. That's okay. I know, I, but it's like, why, it's like, why- Education today. I know, but why aren't we educated more about it? I mean, it's I like, didn't learn about it until, yeah. um, and, until high school. And, and I mean, in my, academic background uh, in my educational experiences I was just never taught but um, again black people have gone through so much and will probably continue to deal with a lot of stuff um, but we but we always overcome there's there's no doubt about that we're we're magical <laughs> absolutely <laughs> alright alright Okay, that's better. Um, well, we had a great talk, didn't we? We had an amazing talk. Good. Um, what keeps you up at night? The rain. And... And the rain puts me to sleep. No, the rain keeps me up. <laughs> Netflix and some anime shows. Oh, yeah. Wow. You've, you've got a nice little trifecta there. <laughs> uh, what puts you to sleep, though? Nutella. Um, <laughs> a lot of Lovely. melatonin yeah. and uh, probably talking to my dad. Hey, good conversation. You don't want to cut it short, exactly. right? Yeah. yeah. Thank you for being on the yeah, show. Yeah, this is so great. Yeah. Oh
God. I love you too. I love you a ton, and I thank you so much for just like I I, I just value like you a lot and everything you have to say. Thank Always you. have, and I'm glad we like actually get to like sit down and hang out these days. Uh, we don't do it enough though. We don't. You're right. That has to change. We need to do better. Yeah, <laughs> we will. So um, yeah, well clearly, uh, sit at a table and have conversations with your friends. Mm -hmm. um, check out Black Lens and all the yeah. So uh, thank you for watching, Mr. Nice Guy, and we'll Bye. see you next time. <laughs>